Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Jeff Cameron Show on a Balls McWednesday. Good to have you on board. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. Director Matthew here as well on Twitter. It's at Jay Cameron Show. Let's get to later today, 5 o'clock, is uh, War Chant TV, appointment television. Sit down, watch as uh, the watch along for schedule release it gets underway. Tom and I kind of theorize what we think it's going to be, and I bet we nailed it. Feel pretty good about that. Feel like we've got the schedule already kind of worked out, and I like it. And I said, by the way, I I had a nice chat today with my buddy Ingram from the Battle's End, and uh, and Tom, he and I were talking about the off season, and and I got to be careful what I say, but I just told him that last night, while I was watching the basketball game, while I was watching the Knolls get a road win, and uh, you know, once again, allow us to. I had my laptop with me, and I was kind of just going through, and I was telling you this last hour, I was theorizing where I thought the games would end up today and where, you know, who we're going to play when and what sequence and all that good stuff. And then when I did that, because I know you announced on uh, social media that Thursday's show will be the W's and L's show that we do. So tomorrow's Jeff Cameron show will have W's and L's, also appointment, uh, listening and viewing. Uh, and, and I thought, huh. Normally, Tom and I do that, and we really haven't given it a lot of thought. Part of the fun of that first W's and L's a lot of times is it's just flying by the seat of the pants. The first few really are, because we haven't seen any of the new kids that are on the roster. We don't know what they're going to look like, how they're going to fit in. Knock on wood, nobody gets hurt, but you're not considering injuries or anything at that point. So your, your vantage point, everything changes. The way you view things change once you get out there in spring, which isn't that far away. And you get into spring practice, and you're like, oh, this guy's a lot better than I thought he was going to be. Look at the steps forward. Look at the progress made by this individual. Look at the steps back or the lack of progress made by this individual. Those kinds of things 
will inform your opinion about W's and L's as the process goes on. But this first one, just kind of, all right, here's the schedule. Now we know it willy-nilly. What do we think? But I, I did it last night, Tom. I did it on my laptop while watching the Knowles go on that huge run to put the game away. And I, I just kind of, knowing all of the players we've brought in, it's been a backloaded offseason. It's been a weird, backloaded transfer portal run. We've gotten, you know, remember the first few, like the whole first week that the transfer portal was available to us, we were like, are we going to get anybody worth a damn here? What are we doing? Felt like it was slipping away from us. And then towards the back end, you're like, oh, man, not only are we going to get some people, we're going to get some real dudes now. We got some guys with real potential. When you're bringing in, you know, an Alabama running back and receiver, an LSU receiver, you're bringing in, you know, like all these guys we started to get excited about. And then the defensive line we found out was going to remain at least those that are eligible to be intact, it is right. You you got Farmer back. You got Jackson. You got you got these guys now. So you got excited, and um, so I started doing it. And I pride myself. Typically, I feel like I'm a realist. I'm easily able to digest and accept that some seasons are a step back from the previous season. That's just the way it's got to be. Well, that's especially true when you go undefeated in the previous season. Like you don't walk into 2015 after 2013 and 2014 and say, we're going to sustain. We're going to be right there. It's going to be the same thing. Another undefeated regular season. You don't do that. You know, that's unrealistic. Losing what you lose. So I thought, all right, I wonder what this will be. And man, I think I'm just a little too um, bullish on this team, Tom. I really kind of worked through this thing to where I was kind of like, I don't, I I don't see four losses for sure, and I have a hard time finding three. Yeah, personally, it, I look at it and I see eight games that I think you should absolutely win, two games that depend on where the schedule, how, how it all sequences out, mm-hmm. and then two that are going to be fights, two that are going to be absolute fights, and, and we'll see you know how you come out and wh- where you come out on the other side of it. Um, and I think part of that, it all circles around what is surrounding Notre Dame on November the 9th, that can help color the conversation on how I feel. I've been pretty bullish the last two years at most, most W's and L's. Uh, you know, sometimes there's one deviation maybe in the summer where you just, you, you've analyzed the team so much that all you see are its flaws. Yeah, you've woke up uh, on the wrong side of the bed and you've spent so much time thinking where you're going to get hurt that that's all you see. Right. And, and we are in our last two seasons, uh, let's see, 21 and three in the regular season. Is that right? 21 and three. I believe that's correct. Uh, so the, if you're talking about 12 game slates, you're 12 and 0 and you had a nine and three the year before. Yeah, you didn't count the bowl win. Regular season is what you said. Yeah, that's just, right. yeah when yeah, we yeah, do yeah. W's and L's, that's all we do. Yeah, we so do 12 wins 12. and nine wins. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to pick the trend here, yeah, you're going to land it somewhere around 10, 11. But I, I could see this this first one, depending upon how it lays out. Because if the ACC tries to put Miami and Clemson and Notre Dame in a four-week span, which they very well could, uh, then at that point, maybe you're staring at nine. It changes things. There's no doubt it changes things. If those sons of bitches put – what lay that out again. How how did you see this nightmare? Okay, so you You, you know Notre Dame's on the ninth. Right. Right? Yeah, uh uh-huh. What if you came back and you hosted Clemson the next weekend after that? There's okay. an opening on the schedule there. And then you could play Miami the, the Saturday on the road after 
uh, Duke. So it goes Miami, and then it goes. Oh, you're, bye you've week. got you've got a scenario by which it's Miami bye week Clemson Notre Dame, or I mean Miami bye week Notre Dame Clemson. Yeah, yeah. What if that's the case? I mean, I, well, I think that that, that is that is sh- shaky. That, that would take it down by a half a win or so on the projection. That's just sure that's a would. lot. It absolutely would. And that would be ridiculous. Yeah. That, now, again, I don't think I, they're going to do that. I don't want to do the thing, which is like draft analysis. And then, then, then there's a trade and we're projecting a trade in the first round of the draft because <laughs> we're going to know in under three hours exactly what, what the score is here. Yeah. But I'm just saying if I'm trying to picture W's and L's, I can't be too bullish yet. Because the sequence is so, so important. I just think any reasonable human being. Now, again, I get it. A lot of our fans think that there's going to be real payback for our actions against the ACC. And so if you're of that mindset, then you would concoct a schedule in the manner that Tom just did, in which you think we're going to have to play uh, some semblance of Miami and Notre Dame and Clemson within four weeks. That's that's how you describe that. And I just I think one of those big games is going to be before the October uh, buy. And we we you and I theorized that that buy is going to be. I think we said the twelfth last hour. Yeah, of, I don't of think October. You're you're not going to put Florida State in a short week situation when no. there are three bye weeks to burn. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So we are. I think we're going to get this right. I think the bye week in October is going to be on the twelfth. It just makes sense when you look at the schedule with the games we already know. Just trying to piece this together, cobble it together. October the twelfth makes the most amount of sense to have a bye week before you play uh, Duke. Okay. So and that yeah, we know the Duke game's a Friday game, and and there you go. Okay, so you have that. Or, or is that right? Do I have that right? Yeah, no, yeah, you yeah, got yeah, that right. Yeah, got that right. And yeah. then we yeah. and we think the second bye week is going to be the Saturday after Boston College, which is I believe the 7th of September. So you've got two bye weeks burnt. And then you have a third. You're not going to put another one in October. No, it'll be in I, November. I, right. And it's just a matter of is it the 2nd, the week before Notre Dame, or is it the 16th, the week after Notre Dame and before Charleston Southern? Uh-huh. Uh, you'd like it before, but I bet it's after. It's too close together. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. But I'm I, what I will argue, and again, I thought Clemson and Miami were interchangeable last hour. I'll say it again here. I think they are. You're either going to get Clemson early and Miami late, or you're going to get Miami early and Clemson late. And, you know, you can debate who you want. That's fine. Everybody can. But it's one of those two things is going to happen. So one of those games is going to be uh, you're going to play Clemson or Miami before you play uh, Duke. And we know the Duke date. And we theorize that the bye is before Duke. So we're going back to early October for that first big, big game uh, between rivals and potential threats. It's either going to be Clemson or it's going to be Miami. Let's whichever way you want to do it. And then later, because I don't think they'll push all those to uh, to uh, late October, early November. I don't think they'll do that. That'd be no, I mean, I, that, that would be too obvious. It would be, and I, and I think also if you're just looking for natural landing spots to put the Cal game, I think earlier is better for that game. Typically, you see cross country travel. Now, this is about to change. The whole paradigm is going to change, especially in the Big Ten, which is a national conference now. But I, it, it feels like. 
when you've got games that are in different time zones, more than one of them, you try to burn those early in the season so that nobody has any travel fatigue at the end of the year's attrition builds. So I think Cal is going to be a September game. Again, there's no inside knowledge. It's just looking at the schedule and some of these things yeah, stand you can out. start to figure it out, especially given what we already know is on the schedule. Right. Now, SMU on the road, North Carolina at home. Those are kind of wild cards. They could fit kind of any which way. I, I think it, I would supplant your doomsday scenario with a North Carolina. So I so would, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm supplanting your doomsday. Whoever that doomsday, you have that stretch of three that you like. Throw in North Carolina instead of Clemson or Miami there. Because you know Notre Dame's already set. So then take Clemson and move them early or keep them there and then move Miami early. Mm-hmm. That, that's mm-hmm. how that's going to go. And I would and I would sprinkle in a North Carolina. And that would make more sense to me. And that's doable. Yeah, it could be like Friday Duke, Friday, uh, Saturday at Miami, Saturday home to North Carolina, Saturday on the road Notre Dame, bye week Charleston Southern Florida. There it yeah. is. There it is. That's yeah. a it's a it's a fair uh, schedule. That's amenable. We can do that. If you called me and I was playing the role of Jimbo and we were doing the thing where I can push back and say yay or nay on a schedule, and you said, "Hey, how's this sound?" and you laid that scenario out for me, I'd say, "All right, well, listen. There's going to be a stretch of three games any." At some point, with three teams, it's going to be difficult. That's the best one because I don't think North Carolina is going to be very good. So yeah, no matter, yeah, no matter how you slice it up with the week zero game, something's going to be awkward too. Like there's going to be a difficult slate, but then there's going to be an awkward slate where you're going to have either a no contest type game or very little chance of losing, plus a buy in back to back fashion, and it's going to feel like you're detached a little bit. So in this scenario that we just laid out. If you've got a bye followed by Charleston Southern, followed by Florida, I mean, my God, you're going to be the most rested team in the country for a a final game of the season. And then that also would bode well if you can, at that point, you would know whether you're in the ACC championship game or not because your conference games are exhausted. I mean, shoot, they they would be exhausted at the end of October nearly because Notre Dame's not an ACC member. Right. So you would know if you have a bye in week, I guess that's week 11 before Charleston Southern, you would know what you're resting for, not just a conference uh, or an in-state rivalry game, but perhaps the big ticket, which is you're punching your ticket to the 12-team college football playoff with a win in Charlotte. Changes the dynamic of how you look at the ACC championship game. Uh, of course, you always want to win it, but now when you think about it as an auto bid, that that is a big damn deal. I saw somebody in the chat wrote, you're right, Tom, but I saw somebody in the chat wrote that it, Miami in October is right with history. I agree with that, Zyler. That's why I've got Clemson being earlier. I think Clemson happens earlier, and then they'll move the the Miami game into October, and you'll have that stretch that we were talking about where it's not – it ain't easy, but it's it's doable. It's a stretch of uh, Miami – I think you just got done saying it. It's Miami, North Carolina, and Notre Dame. And, 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 And either a bye before or after Notre Dame. Yeah, that makes it makes a lot of sense for North Carolina to fit there because that would be a home game to break up two roadies. You're not going to go on the road because that would be four straight road games correct. at Duke, Miami. You, you wouldn't do that. No, nope, so. you would not. That makes sense to me to put Carolina there. That's why I brought that up earlier. I think that's what we're going to get. You're going to get – I again, they could do it differently, and they have before, but I think it, if you're going to take the two Mac Daddies on the schedule – which, in my opinion, ACC teams are clearly Clemson and Miami. 
So those are your those are the Mac Daddies. One of them's got to come early. One of them's got to be late. And if you're just adhering to tradition, and this is where Zyler's right, then you want to move Miami into October, which means Clemson is early. Uh, and then you, yeah, that's I think that's how that's probably how that's going to go. That's fun. Well, if you're if you're the ACC and you're doing your job, which hey man, that's a big if. That's a big <laughs> if. But you you want your conference games to be spread out, your marquee weekends to be spread out. You know you, you and the thing is, which are you going to bet on? That Miami is going to be more relevant later in the year, or Clemson is more relevant later in the year? Because we're going to be relevant no matter what. I mean, that would be the bet if you're if you're you're trying to maximize the value, the ratings value of your product. So. You're going to assume of those three teams, who is going to be who has the best chance to be relevant late in the season? It's got to be Florida State right now. It has to be. So yeah, who's next? Uh, yeah. I think all three teams will be relevant next year. I do. I think Miami's moving in the right direction. I hate to say it, nobody wants to admit that. Now, luckily, they're poorly coached on game day, but they've done a good job of player acquisition, talent. They've brought in talent. They could be a problem. That's uh, a huge game. Huge game down there. If you win this game this year, they're equipped to beat you. If you win this game this year and Miami has to come back up here the following year, what you have on your hands is the scenario that oddly we've watched play out. If you're as old as I am, you have watched the Florida State-Miami series for 40-plus years. God, that hurts to say out loud. And because you have, you know that is a series of streaks, bizarre and elongated streaks where you're crying in your beer because you just lost for the fourth time in a row to Miami. Or they're crying in their beer because they just lost for the sixth time in a row to you. I mean, these streaks are bizarre. This is what happens. Miami, the desperation, I'm saying this now, light years, what feels like light years away from that moment, but we'll remember it that Saturday. I'll be down there. I'll go down there this year. They are going to be a desperate football team because they know. They know the deal. They know that if they lose to Florida State this year at the Hard Rock, which is Florida State's home away from home, but if they lose at the Hard Rock this year, they ain't coming up here next year and winning. So they know this is the difference between ending this painful losing streak or having it extend to what would end up being, what would that five in a row? So you win this year, then you come back and win here next year. The following year, that'd be five in a row, right? Uh, it, it yes, with these two, yeah, the two, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. That'd be a big suck. It is what that'd be, and they know, they know the deal there. It's hard to you lose five in a row, man. Whatever success you're having in recruiting starts, it's got to wane. It's got to wane. And Florida's in shambles. And we'll be watching the spot. Speaking of losing five in a row, just look at their last five games. That'd be hilarious. No momentum there. Don't know who they're gonna get. I mentioned before, I know we got to go to break. I want to go back to this. I want to circle back to this because I think it's relevant to Florida State. I was talking about Brian Kelly and what's he going to do. Is he going to stay at LSU? Because there continues to be this momentum, this idea that he would take the Michigan job if it comes open because of Harbaugh uh, leaving for an NFL job. And I I would tell you that would have made me very, very nervous a couple of weeks ago. It's Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. 
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hello there podcasters oh don't worry i won't prattle on for two minutes like i do with some of the other reads zaxby's doesn't demand it of me <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a Beer Giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just huh? make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. The break that. And I don't know if it's going to happen or not. And it seems like, to me, Michigan would probably stay in-house and elevate if uh, Harbaugh goes elsewhere. But last night, I don't know if it's continued over to today, a ton of talk about with Brian Kelly leave the LSU job to take the Michigan job. And you'll hear the word fit come up a lot because you know, he's a fish out of water. And Baton Rouge. That said, I think a more interesting question is, uh, should he? You think about the job that he's done so far. And Tom, I I forget this sometimes. I don't forget this, but then I'm when I'm laying it out like this, I, I'm reminded of it anyhow. Uh, it becomes more top of mind. He won the West in year one. He won the West in year one and played for the SEC title. Now, he's no match for Florida State. LSU can't compete with Florida State. They've proven that. But of the SEC teams, they're right there. As long as Florida State doesn't enter the SEC, they're in good shape. More serious and to the point, have you seen the stat that he put together? He fired people, and he went out and hired people, and it's a great staff. He brought in Corey Raymond and Jake Olson and Bo Davis and all these guys and the uh, the, the, the Hankton guy. He's brought in recruiters. He's got guys. He's got dudes. They're winning games. And even if you think you're a better fit to go to Michigan, like culturally, like it just makes more sense to you, you don't get the folks in LSU and Louisiana. Quirky group. I like them. Uh, I still think that you would be better off staying right now at uh, LSU, given that, you know, your chief adversary, Nick Saban, just retired. 
And you left Notre Dame to get real defensive linemen that would give you a chance to win a national championship. You'll get them. You'll get them year in and year out at LSU. They already do. It's in your own backyard. So you've got the requisite hosses, the most difficult game you got to win every year, and you already beat him, by the way, uh, is Alabama, and Nick Saban just left. You've got recruiters everywhere now on your staff. Why would you leave? If he leaves, and had this come up earlier, I've always heard that Mike Norvell would be a serious consideration for the LSU job and he would actively listen to that proposition. It seems like that's a job Mike would be interested in. Florida State fans never want to hear that. They don't want to hear that anybody at their job, Florida State's job, would ever be interested in anybody else's job. But that has always kind of been out there that that's a job that he thinks very highly of. And it kind of makes sense geographically if you think about where he grew up. Maybe that would be the case. I thought we dodged a bullet with the Texas situation. Had this gone, had, you know, this we go back to like how often are you going to have to worry about your coaches being plucked? How often are you going to have to worry about Mike Norvell's name being involved in a search as jobs come open? Well, if he continues to win a whole bunch of games – it's going to come up, but more importantly, if he, if the, if we remain in the ACC, it's going to come up every year. Now, the good news is, again, I'm going to reiterate this. I do not believe, personally, I don't believe he would have stayed at FSU if he wasn't hearing from Sexton, his agent, that Florida State is going to be out of here and soon. If he, if he thought he was stuck here for the next five to six years, I don't think he would have stayed. So I tend to look at him signing here not just because he loves it here and he's building something here and he's won favor here and he's making a ton of money and they've invested. You look at the Florida State investment into football, into the program. It's all there. It's all SEC level. You see that the, the extended expenses now for uh, football, elevated expenses – so uh, those are all factors for sure. But to me, the big one would be that he was never you, – you wouldn't stay here if you were going to be in a second-class conference. So I, I think he looks at it as, okay, I'm in, I'm in a place that's moving in the right direction. I've built something. I love it here. All that's true. They're paying me. They've, uh, they've made it possible for me to you know, expand my staff and do the things I want, recruiting and all that. And, oh, by the way, we're getting the hell out of here. But, man, if that Brian Kelly thing had started and the musical chairs was going on a couple weeks ago, I'd have been downright nervous, Tom, because you would have had two programs that Norvell – well, three that Norvell would have been whispered for. It would have been Texas, Alabama, and LSU. I hear you there, but let me clarify. So what you are saying is that because he signed the extension for eight years, you think this is a this is a non-issue at yes. this point? Yes. Why would that if, if there's an interest level, why would that why would that be? I think that when I don't think that Sexton uh, I guess what I would shouldn't change? say that. You know, you just, well, you just the, go you know, three weeks later, you say yes to a different gig if if you really wanted it. That just playing devil's advocate here. No, no, it it's not it's not impossible. 
I just don't think that you would go through the mental gymnastics and the emotional tear, tug of all of that, going through this process to arrive at a place where you say no to Alabama and yes to FSU and get granted all of those things that you wanted to turn around and do it again a week later for LSU. I don't think you would. Yeah, I mean, that that's fair to me. Personally, I, I think the moment – this is not trying to – sow the seeds of fear or anything like that. I think the moment he committed, he's done. I think he, you know, he's, he's locked in and he knows that the mission is here and the mission's nowhere I, else. I, I agree. That's what I'm saying. So we, we do agree on that. LSU could just, pay whatever the ex- new buyout is. That's, yeah, that's correct. not a problem. That, that could be 20 million, 30 million, 40 million. We don't know what it is, but let's just say it's massive. They, it, it won't be an object. It won't be something that they have to worry about. They would pay it if they really wanted it. Well, Brett, to answer your question in the chat, why I keep talking about him leaving, it's because if Jeff's talking about if this had happened two weeks ago, this could be big trouble. It would have been big trouble. Look, a lot of things in life are timing, and the timing was good here for Florida State. It's fortunate. Now, that's assuming that Kelly's going to take that job. I see some folks in the chat also talking about looming sanctions. I would think that the agent for one Brian Kelly would be asking, what the hell are these sanctions going to be, and how how much of my hand's going to be tied? Moving forward, if I take this job, are my first three years, are they like Al Golden's? Or is this a slap on the wrist? Well, given that the era we live in now sees the NCAA with very little in the way of packing a punch. I mean, we this is not... This is not where Al Golden was taking over Miami, where they had gotten absolutely lambasted with serious, and and they were, you know, obviously under a dark cloud because of further investigations and all. That doesn't exist anymore with the NCAA. We don't see that. You don't see them hand down from on high these very penal, weighty sorts of uh, judgments on programs. We don't. We usually see a slap on the wrist like the one Florida State just got. And we'll see what Florida gets here. They're being investigated. By the way, if we got what we got, this might be a chance for the NCAA to reestablish some sort of control and, and, and authority over programs in college football that they haven't shown that they have the teeth for in years. But the, you slap Florida State on the wrist. Wait, wait till you see what was going on at Florida with the quarterback situation, right? So we know – that maybe, maybe it's it's a potential problem, but really, man, over the last couple of years, they haven't shown that they have the authority to come in and do what they used to do, which is waylay programs. Well, it depends on what they tie it to. If they tie it to NIL, I think they're setting the precedent because I, I would argue that what we got is not a slap on the wrist given what we did. I mean, like anybody. Right, right, right. Country, yeah, we know it wasn't. In, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on now. You're going to suspend a, an on-field coach for three games? man, then you better be prepared to spend, suspend a lot of position coaches and coordinators around this country, and you better do so quick. They might very well be. And, again, I don't think – I mean, look, he's able to coach during the week. He's able to be part of the game plan, and he's able to do everything you need to do before game day. I think on game day, on-field coaches, including the head coach, oddly, are overrated. Uh, ask Michigan. They, they survived without a problem without Harbaugh, Harbaugh for virtually all of the season. Unless the head coach is a play caller. Like, not having Mike on a Saturday would be a big damn deal. I think it would be problematic, but I think that, you know, again, you sit down with Alex every week and you game plan situationally. Uh, you know tendencies. Well, you know what you want. This is what we do third and short. This is what we do second and long. This is what we do first. And, you know, I mean, it's not it's not as big a hindrance as people think. I think over time it matters 
game in, game out, if you're suspended for six games and you're the primary play caller, you would start to see it be a problem. In a singular one-off, nah, shouldn't be. Shouldn't be that big a deal. I think it depends on the opponent. And Michigan <laughs> Michigan had it land pretty neatly for a few games there with, with different mm, opponents yeah. that were not exactly Ohio State caliber. I, uh, yeah, I don't disagree with that. I The reason and, this – Penn State also – real quick, Penn State wasn't going to score 15 points in eight quarters, so that yeah, that's not one either. I, I want to say that, again, I'm not bringing this up for the hell of it. I think that we ought to, in spite of this deal that Norvell signed, and we'll have to learn what the buyout is, but for most of the schools in the Big Ten or the SEC that could come calling for Mike Norvell in the next three years, the buyout is not the problem. They don't care. If they want that guy, the the buyout isn't a big deal to them. So as long as we're here, I think you're going to, around every turn, after every season, be in fear of having your head coach plucked. And all I'm pointing out, just observationally, just anecdotally here, if this had happened a couple of weeks ago, we would have been in trouble because he would have fallen into one of these jobs. And what I mean by that is not not an insult to him, but like Jimmy Sexton, the puppeteer, would have orchestrated the magic. That's how this would have gone down. And he would have interest in the Texas job, and he would have interest in the LSU job, and we know he certainly listened at length to the Alabama proposition. So that would have been three. Three. What were the chances that he would have said no to all three? We'll never know. We'll never know. That's the good thing. Suck it, everybody else. We got him. For now. Now, next year, when somebody goes south on these other, uh, you know, in the SEC or the Big Ten and they're pissed, get ready for a phone call, especially if Mike does what I think he's going to do, which is continue to kick ass. Forest State's going to win a lot of games next year. Maybe more than a lot of people believe. I tend to be, I don't know about pie in the sky, but I I tend to think they're going to be quite a bit better than I thought they were going to be when the clock struck zero after the Georgia game. That's fair. What I'm going to say to you right now is that in January, I'm choosing not to have fear about December. Of I'm next not year. fearing anything. It's a conversation. It like, well, I wait till the shoot, no, wait till the shoot no, drops no. next year when Lane takes another job because then Ole Miss is going to come. I don't think like, he well, would leave Florida State for Ole Miss unless he thought we were stuck in this conference for another two, three years. Unless he thought we were stuck in this conference. And it's an adult conversation. It's not, it's not doom and gloom. It's not, oh, be scared. You're a grown-up. Don't be a bitch, everybody. You can buck up and have a conversation and not be scared. It's all right. The bottom line is, if those three jobs had been open, we probably were going to lose our coach. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. What's good, everybody? It's T. Lizzie here, and I'm talking about HelloFresh. Can you believe it? I'm doing myself a little pod read here for our friends at HelloFresh. They're supporting both Jeff and I here on the podcast, and they want us to let you know about what it is they do and why they can help you with a New Year's resolution. If it's to save money, to eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do any or all three. Just say hello to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price that you'll like delivered right to your door. 
Each HelloFresh box is packed with farm-fresh ingredients, and everything arrives pre-portioned right to your doorstep for less hassle and less wasted food. So here's the cool thing. I have not tried HelloFresh yet, but the box has arrived at my house today. I've got three outstanding meals. I chose the plan of meat and veggies. I'm going with the basics here because I'm kind of a picky eater, so they can work around my pickiness. And the three meals that we're going to be cooking up at my house are sweet chili pork and cabbage stir-fry. All right. Sweet and spicy apricot chicken and pecan-crusted salmon. Very excited to try this out. They've got easy sheets, little placards that come with the menus. They show you how much time it takes to prep, how much time it takes to cook, and the calories involved with each one of the meals. So simple, and I can't wait to give it a shot. If you want to experience what we're about to experience, go to HelloFresh.com slash Cameron Free and use code Cameron Free for free breakfast for life. That's right, one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That is free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Cameron Free with code Cameron Free. Okay, so you got to go to the website, HelloFresh.com slash C-A-M-E-R-O-N-F-R-E-E, and then type in that same code at checkout. I'm about to find out, you should find out too, why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Couple hours from uh, right about now, we'll know that schedule that Tom and I have speculated on through much of the afternoon. Look forward to it because uh, I think we're going to be pretty close to right, if not exactly right, regarding uh, the placement of those games. And then tomorrow we do W's and L's, which is also fun. By the way, on Cary Forest Parkway right now, right there next to Ology, Social Kitchen is open. I found that out because uh, they approached me about wanting to let others know that it's open and advertise. And I said, well, okay, here's the deal, man. I love to cook or grill very specific things that I cook and grill. And uh, they told me, well, go over there and meet Chef Chris and figure it out. They do prepared meals if you're really busy and you're just like this week from hell or whatever it might be, and you say, I'm going to feed a family. They have all those meal prep things, services set for you. You can swing in there, get it. Um, Premium meats. uh, It is premier market stuff. And I went in over the weekend, Tom, and got myself some and uh, did the had a big Wagyu filet that I said. I, I nailed it in the cast iron. Nailed it in the cast iron. Got that little crust on the outside. Then you cut in. You see it medium rare. It's perfect. I did it. Yeah. You want it seared. You want it. Yeah, that's that uh, correct. Did you put a certain type of uh, set of spices for a rub, or did you just cook it with the butter and, and let it ride? What Salt, pepper, garlic. That's it. That's all. And we is. were done. It was delicious. And I got the sides to go with. But I will tell you this. This is serious. Um Chef Chris, who's over there, I, I didn't, I had not met him. I met him when I went in there on Saturday to get the meats. 
Uh, I got several fillets and some other stuff, and um, they've got any, everything you could want. And I I learned a lot from them. I learned a lot about preparation, about the food itself, about how to cook things properly. Just little little nuggets here and there. Uh, they're open, and you can visit them online, socialkitchentlh.com, if you want to learn more. And if you want to go by there, as I said, it's right next to Ology on Cary Forest Parkway. And I've, I'm going to start utilizing them. And so uh, I got no problem telling you that. So far, so good. One for one. Learned a lot and had delicious meats, and it was good. So I was pleased. I was pleased. What's next? You've, you've learned and you've mastered the skills of cast iron steak preparation. Is there something that you want to cross off the list in terms of an acquired skill? I'm really good with seafood. I'm really good with steaks. I probably could use um, uh, more education in, in, in other meats. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I will find out, like, what do I want to venture in? You know, I would think, I don't know what else I want to do. I probably, I could ask Chris, I can tell you that. But meal preparation, I've always been really good at just telling my wife, I'll take care of this, and it's usually the main course, and she does all the rest. I want to get good at some of the other stuff. So I have to figure that out. One benefit to being up here uh, in terms of cooking and eating is the gas top, stove top. You talk about equal equal heating, equal heat application to the pan or the cast iron or whatever it is that you want. The open flame is the way to be. And so I'm actually taking up, uh, not with Chef Chris. Maybe I can, maybe I can uh, video stream with Chef Chris to get a lesson or two. You probably I'm could. starting to take up some uh, food prep, man. It's uh, I like it. I like it. I'm enjoying food it. Food prep is fun. Food prep is fun. You get the opportunity to kind of like I see any sort of meal preparation, anything that you're doing like that. People leave you alone. They leave you alone because they don't want you to screw it up, and they know that they don't want to distract you. It's your opportunity, right? It's perfect where you can get, like, so they, they just leave you alone, and we all need time alone. Listen to your podcast. Listen to your music. If it's a weekend, maybe you're having a couple of cold ones, whatever it might be. If it was really cold, maybe you're having a scotch while you meal prep and you're listening to your music. Oh, and, and, and maybe, just maybe, I was out on the deck with my cutting board, my music, my scotch, my prep items, Tom, that is a lot of fun. Well, and soon to be the sound of baseball. The sound of baseball, along with the sizzle of the open flame or the grill or the smoker or whatever it is, they just go perfectly together. They blend together. And in just a few weeks' time, you'll be able to hear Florida State baseball. And then a few weeks after that, you'll get spring training in earnest if you really want to listen to spring training on the radio which, oddly enough, I like. It's the only preseason sport I like on the radio is baseball. Baseball on the radio is always good. I will say this on the heels of what we just saw with the um, Hall of Fame. They really have just started putting pretty good players into the Hall of Fame. Like, they've really just decided you didn't have to be a Hall of Famer. You just needed to be pretty good. We are now at a place where lots of that guy was a good player for a few years, are getting consideration for the Hall. Matthew, you were worried about Helton. Joe Maurer? Please. How in the world Joe Maurer is in the Hall of Fame is beyond me. That is nuts. By the way, I'll have you know, Tom, you know who has more hits than Joe Maurer? Jason Kendall. Mm. I mean, what are we doing? The reason what that are he's we in doing? there is... 
it's uh, the three batting titles. But but I think what we can and that, look, I'm not defending the case. BJ Surhoff, sir. Yep. Yeah. I know. We can keep going. There, there's quite the list. Oh, yeah. of really ass average slappies. I, but I think what we can celebrate today, what we can celebrate today is that Buster Posey will be without a doubt. 100 percent. He's in. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer because if Joe Bauer if is a Joe first Bauer's ball- in, Posey's in with his pants down. He can do whatever he wants from here on out. He is easily in. That you are one hundred percent correct. When they said Joe Bauer is a Hall of Famer, I went, "Congrats, Buster Posey." There it is. One hundred percent. I don't want to end up in this rant becoming Bob Costas, but good God, man. There are a whole lot of players in the last several uh, iterations of this vote where you're like, man, really? Really? Because what you end up having to do is go back to a time when it was much more stringent and then realize you have to take the shackles off the vote. Like all those guys who were told no because it's not the Hall of Fame, it's not the Hall of Good, it's not the Hall of Very Good, it's the Hall of Fame. And that's supposed to be a cut above. It's supposed to be different. You can't just have been a really good player for six years. Like, you have to have been elite, elite, elite to where when the name is mentioned, everybody goes, oh, yeah, of course. And we, we're well beyond that now. So now you got to circle back all those guys you excluded if this is what we're going to do. And you got to start letting in a whole bunch of people. And I'm fine if that's what you want to do. But they'll never catch up. And so you're going to have this crazy discrepancy. You're going to go back and be like, wait, 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 wait. So Juan Pierre has more hits than this dude who was voted into the Hall of Fame in 2015. Juan Pierre. What are we doing? <laughs> this is that. Seriously, that exists. Those kinds of comparisons. And, you know, what I used to do when we would have this discussion about Hall of Fame you would always have to start with a very basic premise, right? You didn't have to be the best player at your position. You had to be one of the two or three best players at your position for an extended period of time. If the answer was yes, you were one of those, now we can have the conversation more in-depthly about the finer points. But we've in the last several years, we've elected some guys into the Hall of Fame where you're like, that dude wasn't anywhere near the best player at his position ever in his career at any point. That can't. It's just frustrating. Good for Joe Maurer. Great guy, whatever. He was a very, very good player. And now he's a Hall of Famer. (laughs) (laughs) Just stick. Listen, man, I I would just stay with congratulations, Buster Posey. Congratulate. I'm sure somebody in his inner circle texted him and said, dude. Dude, you're in. You are 100% in. Because you know the the exact amount of time that elapses before you're on the ballot first. So you just say, hey, we'll see you in the summer of whatever that is, 27. And and listen, every fan base does this because I'll tell you right now, once they elected Todd Helton in, then everybody just called Joey Votto and said congratulations. For sure. I mean, (laughs) we can do this now with a lot of guys. That's my larger point. You know, with somebody like Adrian Beltre, you're like, okay, well, you know, 3,000-plus hits as an infielder, 450 home runs, five gold gloves. Okay, got it. You, yep, you're in. Got it. But, mm, I, I was, that was interesting. It was interesting. Uh, 
I like this baseball question. We got a baseball question from Tony, and it's only about baseball, about nothing else. There are more days till pitchers and catchers or Zaxby's locations in Tallahassee? It's a great question. Tom, I know the answer to the Zaxby's question, but I don't know the answer to pitchers and catchers. Look up pitchers and catchers. I like the drama of the silence. 20 days. That's a spring training. That's a spring training countdown. That might not be pitchers and catchers. Well, yeah, that may be like tomorrow. Pitchers and catchers, right? Like pitchers and catchers are very soon. It is indeed. So the Yankees are apparently the first team to have pitchers and catchers report. It is going to be on uh, Valentine's Day, which uh, good because I love that sport. It's good. Yeah. Okay. So pitchers and catchers report uh, very, very soon. Less than a month. That is awesome. Really good news. And that is, uh, you know, nowhere close to the number of Zaxby's in town. Uh, the 74 Zaxby's that are located here in Tallahassee far exceed the number of days until pitchers and catchers report or spring training games begin. So there you go. And don't forget that it's now 19 years that Danny has been championing Florida State athletics as a uh, Golden Chief. And also remember this, that the MLB opening day is in just 64 days. So there are more locations in Tallahassee. If you're looking to get some Zaxby's fingers or you want to get the chicken Philly, more locations than days until baseball counts. First day. It's March 28th this year is opening day for Mm. MLB. Mm. You might get snow. Mario, that makes me laugh. I love the idea. Can you imagine being a Hall of Famer? You're at home chilling out. Feeling good about the fact that your life's endeavor saw you reach the highest possible level, and then you get a phone call six years after the fact, hey, we're kicking you out. We just realized there's too many of you average asses here in the hall. We're kicking you. (laughs) We're getting back to being more exclusive. Give back the jacket, you bum. (laughs) Mauer needs it. Oh, good work out of you, Tom. Good work. Director, be well, everybody. You guys have a great rest of your day. And at 5 o'clock, be watching War Chant TV as we do the watch-along for the schedule. It'll be good stuff. Peace.